and in the past week, I, uh, I realized how desensitized I am to certain things, like, like how certain words just don't really have meaning anymore. Like I'm, I'm not too old, but young enough to come up in the, the hip-hop era. So I don't even know what hip-hop means anymore, though. You know, like, is it music? Is it language? Is it clothing? Is it art? You know, I, I feel the same way kind of about the word economy. People use economy for everything now. You know, my toilet paper costs more because of the economy, man. Or, you know, I got this rash, that, that economy. You know, you just... You don't even know nowadays like what, what what the reference is because it's it's used in so many so many different areas of life, you know. And uh, I I think probably when I went to college my sophomore year and became a Christian, my heart started to ache as I saw people desensitized to the cross. As I as for the first time I realized that rappers that I loved when they won a Grammy or is it uh, Grammy. And they say, God gave me this ability. Thank you, dog. You know, all my homies that died in the struggle. Yeah, this one, this, this one Jesus helped us be able to do this. I'm like, wow. Wow. Entire lifestyle, everything that he glorifies is anti-God, but for this moment, giving God glory. Or, or I, I remember back in the day when I was uh, extremely in the world and I would go to clubs where um, all types of promiscuity and crazy stuff's going on. I remember friends, we all pulling up, and every single one of us has a chain dangling over our rear view mirror that has a cross on it. No real indication for our lifestyles, no indication of who we were, but we had one of those crosses. Today we are going to, to, to look at why the cross is so important. See, I don't want you to leave here continuing or even being um, remotely close to what I was when I was younger, really not knowing the value, the meaning of the cross, why Jesus had to die on the cross. We've been going through the book of John, and we've come to a point now where we get a clear picture of what took place on that day where he gave up his spirit. But if you just get, in, get, get a, a, a quick snapshot into the death taking place, you might miss why that death was needed. So we're going to start with, with a story. We're going to start by looking at who God is and what led up to the cross and do things a little differently today. We're not going to start in John 19. Actually, we're going to end in John 19 today. We're going to read that. And, and after my teaching today, later on, some of the effects of what the cross produces will be preached in the next few weeks. But today we're going to look at why we needed the cross, why we needed Jesus to die on our behalf. And it starts with us understanding who God is. So, so, so the nature of God, right, who, who God is, God is absolutely unique. There is none other like him ever, period. There is but one. Though we get to be blessed by having some attributes that are similar, where we get to, to, to 
image bearer. We get to represent God in a few ways. We're not God. We're not him. And no other thing in this world can encompass his unique characteristics. Exodus 11:15 says, who among God, the gods is like you, O Lord, who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders, absolutely unique. He's also absolutely pure, absolutely good. We understand and know what good is because of who he is and because he's deemed it so. So he, he is fully holy. Like, like, like this sheet here. It's just a, a simple sheet, but it's white. It's pure. It represents cleanliness. If I was to go and, and, and mess it up uh, as, as, as much of a, uh, a, a kind person as you might be, you probably would want to clean it before you used it, right? Because, I mean, how many people just enjoy being in dirty things? so job says it is unthinkable that god would do wrong that the almighty would pervert justice and in his beautiful holiness he desires that we too would be holy so he says in leviticus be holy because i the lord your god am holy so he is unique he is holy he's pure he is the definition of what is good and he's absolutely righteous his relationships to others other beings is perfectly reflected through his law we can't we can't sit back and say um, god should have handled things differently he should not have let this person pass away or he should have done this he should have done that in every single case God's character, God's decisions, God's actions are perfect, regardless to what we think about them. You see, his character doesn't change because we don't like it or because we love it. He is holy, unique, righteous. But the law, the law is a a very interesting component of God. Because we've almost separated the law from who God is. But the Bible doesn't do that at all. The Bible actually teaches us that the nature of who God is, the law flows out of that. So so why, why does God say don't lie? Because God doesn't lie. Why does why does God say don't commit adultery? Well, God has you enter into a covenant with him where it is soul, solely him being the king, and there will be no other gods. So now that is mimicked and asked of you through the law to reflect a covenant that gives him glory. So the law is birthed out of his nature, birthed out of who he is. But, but, but we, have, we have a few problems. So if you have a pure God that's holy clean, defines what is good, is righteous, always interacts with his people in an according matter, whether we see it fit or not, is unique, none other like him, there's, there's, a, there's a small problem. You see, 
sin is this thing that is entered into the equation that distorts that relationship. The relationship where he desires us to be holy as he is holy, the relationship where he wants us to bear his image, sin distorts that. Sin makes that, uh, that, 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 that beautiful bond, that beautiful relationship, it breaks it. Sin is, is anything that rejects God. It's, it's missing the mark. It's, it's as if you are trying to shoot for a standard that God sets, and every time you miss. That's sin. It can be overt, and we, we totally reject God, or it could be covert. It could be done inside, and no one knows it. But God knows it. I have a little, a little, um, a little illustration here. I have two glasses of water, some dirt inside this glass, and if each, if if this was a person who's pretty good, you know, every once in a while they do a little bit of sinning, so you know we'll give them like a couple little granules, you know. That might that might be a believer who occasionally falls and, and understands the beauty of repentance and that God welcomes them back. And, and they never, you never lose your salvation, but there's a, uh, an aspect of the relationship that's broken, that's restored every time we repent, turn from our sin and turn towards God. But then you also could be, could be the individual who is wild, you care less about God. You care less about rules. You make your own standards. And, 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 and that person would, would get a little, little more dirt. A little, little more dirt. A little more. Yo, we should dump the whole thing in there, huh? My, my question to you is, which of these glasses would you drink from? You see... Both of these individuals are in desperate need of the cross. And what sin can do, sin is, is smooth in that it can make us think that we're better off than we are. At least I'm not here. Or, or, or as long as I, you know, who cares whether I'm a good steward or not, as long as I go to church. Or who cares whether I, whether I open up to my wife or I open up to my husband, as long as I put food on the table or as long as I keep the house clean, I'm okay. You see, sin, can we just, can we allow sin to be in just a portion of this glass? No. It, 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 it is, it, it moves throughout the whole glass. And it's the same way in our lives. Sin is pervasive. It runs throughout all of who we are if we don't bring it before the Lord and deal with it. So we had a problem. We had a holy God, a unique God, a righteous God, and a people who became sinful. So the problem became that this holy God could not interact with this filth, with this dirt? Would you, would you dip this white, clean cloth 
into this mar, into this now dirty water? No. So when God sees sin, it's his desire to punish it. It's his desire to, uh, and, and, and punishment takes place in, in a couple of ways. It can be, you know, retribution where, hey, you've done wrong. This is the punishment. It also is rehabilitative. Like, hey, you've done wrong. I don't want you to do it again. Here's, here's learn from this lesson. Learn from this heartache. It can bring forth guilt. It can bring forth the anger of God. And it can bring forth death. Sin, my friends, don't allow, don't let, don't let the, the gravity of sin be something that, that, that we minimize. It is impossible for God to ignore sin. The very, it, is the antithes, it is totally opposite to who he is. So when he sees sin, he has to deal with it. So the dilemma, God is holy and pure and judges sin. Man is stained from sin and should receive death. Because God, and that's the way he typically dealt with sin. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. It wasn't necessarily just... <laughs> A thing you did, it was a state that you were born into, a state that we were born into. So now with this, with this dilemma here, the relationship between a holy God and a sinful people can be restored. It gets restored through sacrifice. That's one of the, one of the ways that, that God, through his law, allowed people to be restored to him. So you would have an individual that would take, a, take a, 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 an animal, could be a dove, could be a lamb, and they would take this animal. And what they would do is they would touch and hold the animal, and it symbolized them transferring their sin to this animal. And they gave that animal to the priest, and the priest would then sacrifice this animal. And it was almost as if, as if a, a fire hydrant full of blood was opened and, and, and blood was rushing down the streets. Because can you imagine how many times, based on the way we live, we would be bringing forth sacrifices? As a man, for my wife, for my kids, for, for my family, sacrifice after sacrifice. there's still a problem because the people are burdened. Humanity is burdened. You, you, can't, you can't sacrifice enough. How, how often, how many, as <laughs> soon as you come back, you got your cousin or your wife telling you what just happened. You got to go back again, you know. It's, it's, it's burdensome. You are, you are, you are n- never fully dwelling uh, in, a, in a place where um, where there's no need for you to continually be sacrificing. So that, that bring forth, brings forth a remedy. You see, you've got a holy God 
that desires for us all to be holy as he is holy. Because of sin, that, that holiness is broken. That ability is broken. So now, God and his, and his beauty, he cannot contradict himself, right? So God doesn't say, well, I, I made a law. Let me just break the law so y'all can come on in. No, no, no. His laws still have to be upheld. They still have to be fulfilled. So just as man allowed sin to come into this world, there has to be a man that helps to, to, to restore us into a right relationship with the Lord. But what man is fully perfect? See, these next scriptures tell us who the remedy is. It points to a man that can and will serve as the ultimate sacrifice so that individuals don't have to keep going back again and again, taking forth sacrifices, trying to get right with God. It points to a man that will someday not die just for his family, not die just for his descendants, die for all. This is Isaiah, uh, and it's the 53rd chapter, and I'm, I'm letting the cat out the bag because it's, 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 he's speaking of Christ when he comes. But Isaiah writes this 600 to 700 years before Jesus comes. So, I, so even as I'm about to read this, I want you to be logging in some of the different attributes because when we go to John, we will see some of those attributes fulfilled. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Note that. Just, just as a side tangent. For, 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 for us African Americans that might have thought that Jesus had, you know, the nice afro going on with the, with the tight goatee. You know, for us whites that might have thought, you know, the blue eyes, blonde hair. It, it, it says that, it, that, that his beauty would not have been what wooed us to him. That does something for a lot of the pictures that we have, have in our churches. Um, he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and was crushed for our iniquities. Iniquities is sins. Pierced, transgressions, iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. What is peace, friends? Peace isn't, isn't the things that we can get. Peace isn't, isn't, you know, having a nice house and being comfortable. Peace is being in right relationship with God. So he takes on this burden of being stricken by all men, so that we would have peace. And by his wounds we are healed. 
We all, like sheep, have gone astray, every one of us. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. You guys remember last week when we, when we were covering John, uh, some of the reactions of, of Jesus. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Perfect. Perfect. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And, and, and all while we've been going through the book of John, we keep saying, don't miss the mission focused language that Jesus came to do the will of the father. There's some there's some results of that. We are saved. Satan is dealt with. You know, there's some results. But ultimately, the goal was to bring glory to the father, to do the will of the father. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Imagine if you were waiting for this person. Are there, are there markers in what we just read that would stand out in your mind? Was it that his, his silence was it, was it after so many times of you taking lambs to sacrifice on your behalf, you think of him as a lamb being sacrificed for all? Was it iniquity? Did, did that stick with you? Was it, was it the many sins that you've committed and you think, wow, he carried that burden? The sins that I have committed and will commit? So now we are going that this person is going to be the remedy. This person is going to 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 write that relationship. Remember, God wants us to be holy as he is holy. Uh Oh, he coming. (laughs) So this person is going to allow us to be holy as he is holy. So if someone asks you, why do we need Christ? We should be able to tell them. We should be able to tell them that sin broke the bond that we had with the Lord and that the Lord has to deal with sin. And when he deals with it, he deals with it harshly. Death can be the end result of sin. And one of the ways that he allowed us to deal with sin was to take sacrifices before him. 
But that that could have been burdensome. That was burdensome. Now we'll see that he frees us from that burden. And, and what's interesting about God is that typically with the sacrifice, we as the human take the sacrifice before God. But this time, God comes down and takes the sacrifice to himself. How beautiful that God would do that on our behalf. Right the wrong for us. See, only fully God, because we needed someone perfect, but we also needed someone fully human. Such a beautiful, beautiful expectation of Jesus. So friends, now we're going to read John chapter 19 together. If you could uh, please turn there, and uh, some of my brothers will pass out some Bibles. If you need one, just raise your hand, because we... And I feel like I'm just getting started, but I'm actually near, near the end. <laughs> um, what page is that, George? George. What page is that? Uh, uh, and that's page 1681 in the Big Bible. Oh. 767 in the Little Bible. And it reads, So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying him, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them. When the undergarment, uh, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven into one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. 
and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Friends, I know I'm going to keep reading, but I don't want you to overlook verse 30. Because Jesus never relinquishes control to Pilate or anyone else. On our behalf, he gives up his spirit. Now it was a day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. There's a a beautiful image here when the Jews um, initially were... Uh, being a part of the Passover, they used, uh, that w- what happened was they would put blood over the doorpost. And any time um, uh, the, the spirit that went about saw that blood, it would pass over that home, not killing that family. Well, the way in which they were to apply that blood to their doorpost was to use the hyssop plant, thus protecting that household. So now, if you go back real quick, Al, that hyssop plant, which is in verse 29, um, is being associated again with Jesus' blood being spilled. And now, protecting us all for eternity. The soldiers therefore came, oh, excuse me. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced his side. Oh, we already been, Okay. Brother Half. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Friends, I I, I know I could have spent time just breaking that all down for you, but I think it's extremely important that we don't miss the full story. That, that without Jesus, we would still not be able to be holy as God is holy. Don't get me wrong. He's unique. He's different. We cannot be God. So I'm not saying you can walk out of here and be God. 
But as, as now, as Jesus has died for your sins, he's made you into a new creation. We now are able to bear his image, bear his holiness, show this world that we don't submit to the way it operates. We are under a new paradigm. So, so I, I hope that what you realize was that this was something that happened in history, but that the need for it to happen was greater than just a historical marker. For it allowed for us to all receive eternal joy and now being able to be right with God. So I... Um, I just, I just want to challenge us all not to glaze over the next time you see a cross. Not to allow the cross just to be uh, a symbol that's cool to put up in the bathroom or, you know, cool to represent as a necklace or something that we diminish. See, without it, we, would, we deserve death. But with it, we receive life we are about to have the 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 homies come forward so that we can uh have tithe did i just say the homies i did (laughs) (laughs) carrie could you take lael for and uh what we do here at macav We're a family that believes that God has given us everything, so we want to worship him with all things, including um, our our tithe and our offering. Uh, If you um, are not, if you don't.